Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. Hello and welcome to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel. I am Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita and we are joined by Peter Segel, who ran in, literally ran here to get in here on time only to find out that Greta had <laughs> lied to me about when we were starting to make sure that I was actually here on time, which I never am. So we can now say that Ramsey, Stannis, not the worst. Greta Johnson, the worst. <laughs> Trisha and I talked about it last night. We said we need to start by 845. Let's tell Peter 830. And look, it's 840. I was, We're good to go. I was in on this plot. I apologize. <laughs> All right, you're the worst. You're both the worst. <laughs> I still feel like Ramsey and Stannis are worse, but we'll get there. I, they didn't lie to me. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So today we are rehashing Season 5, Episode 7 of Game of Thrones. Here is your spoiler alert. Obviously, if you have not seen this episode, you probably oh, don't want to keep listening. Can I do my spoiler alert uh, yeah. klaxon? Yes, please. Auga. Oh, that's good. That it's was better. Good one last it's time. better. Auga. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was called The Gift. There were a great many gifts given and received. We'll talk about all of them. And later in the show, we're also going to talk a little bit more about how sexual violence is handled on Game of Thrones because we were all still thinking about what happened to Sansa Stark. So this conversation is definitely HBO rated this week, and this is a trigger warning to the fact that we'll be talking about that later in the show. Did you just offer an unironic trigger warning? Yeah. Okay. Just noting that. All right. So (laughs) as we start, one rack, no butts. We thought it might be a half rack, but it developed into Into a a full full rack. rack. I I just want to say, we'll get to that, I guess. But that, I thought... Among in a show which specializes in gratuitous nudity, this was among the most gratuitous nudity. And everybody, I'm going to make this argument later, but all the people who got really upset about Sansa's scene last week should have been upset about this scene this week because it was the stupidest, sex, most sexist thing on a show that has had its share of stupid, sexist things. I also just find that whole like poison antidote thing to yes. just be a really tiresome yes. plot device. You're dying, and, and if you drink itself. this, you will be instantly yeah. well. And the fact that like that he trusts her to drink the, like the whole thing was just like I found it a little I so let's just start let's with just Dorne st- and get it out of right, the way because okay, okay. we're talking about okay. the dumb dumb scenes in Dorne what has happened the dumbest ones from before <laughs> have they farmed out the Dorne scenes to like some executive son <laughs> who like needed a writing job and like what are we going to do with this guy we got to hire I know we'll just have him write the scenes in Dorne because it's as if Everybody becomes stupid as soon as we get to Dorne yep. Al- although I thought the scene with Jamie and although she doesn't know that his daughter Mm. Was was resonant to those of us who are parents of teenagers. You know, the I line "You, might you don't it. know me" has been said in the halls of my castle. <laughs> yeah, I and how Sagal. <laughs> I do think that that got the job done. Its in terms sigil of... is a cringing Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Our words are oh what again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, you need to keep going? You need no, to keep no, going. no, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we rose to prominence serving as accountants and gag writers for House Targaryen during the <laughs> second century after the conquest. I will say, by the way, I, 
I, I went out because I was so embarrassed by some mistakes I had made in regards to the book that I actually bought The World of Ice and Fire. No, this is this, this is this new heavily illustrated encyclopedia of the prehistory. You of didn't the, see his quotes, his air quotes. Yes, and it is. I, I tell you, it's like this you know, incredibly, it's got these lurid illustrations and it's got all these pages and pages and pages of. <laughs> it's of, got a lot of pages. It's got a lot of pages of history of the houses and, and the Targaryens and the, the first men and the Andals. And it's like every page I read is like taking actual knowledge like of the world, pushing it out <laughs> of my brain and filling it with this crap. It actually makes you stupider, this book. Yeah. I am a less smart person. Because <laughs> yep. there's only so much room in there. There really is. So you might, my maybe you used to know which countries were in NATO, but I now you know the history of the houses. <laughs> yes, I know. Anyway, I'm sorry. I completely interrupted you. So we were back in Dorne. Yes, dumb. Although the scene with um, Marcella mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. okay. But the prison scene with Braun and the Snance, all right, here's the thing. There was a potentially great scene that they could have written, and it's that warrior-ass Sand Snake, whatever her name is, and she says to, she says to Braun, I'm the best fighter you've ever seen. And she says, no, you're not. And she says, I killed you, and he starts to die. And she says, if you agree that I'm the best fighter you've ever seen, I will give you this antidote. And he says, okay, there you go. Do- dominance, power, you know. She's tougher than he thought. Cool scene. Instead, we had to get into this bizarre. Tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I'm pretty while I show you my incredibly, you know, you know, A-list breasts. You know, they they cast all over Europe for the finest pair of breasts for that. It's like, (laughs) ladies, do not get upset about the implied off-screen sexual violence. Get upset about the ridiculous sexist degradation of these characters into basically just their tits. If you excuse my harsh language. Yeah, I think that it was among the most sexist scenes. And I think it felt that way, especially because we had a lot of dialogue in this scene. A lot of times, as you've said, we see sort of background nudity. But those people aren't given sort of plot points and agency and things to do. And suddenly we had characters who had things to do and say and have motivations and, you know, they're avenging someone. All this stuff is going on. But then the conversation is, I feel pretty. (laughs) Oh, so pretty. Help me feel pretty. pretty. you know, witty and gay, and you better tell me that or I'll kill you. <laughs> and so you, know, you have this character who who may or may not be an interesting character. We was yet to play out. We have a few more episodes, and it's like, what's the most interesting thing about this character? Her titties. They're going to have now. sex, though, right? Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Don't you think they're going to have sex? Oh, who two? cares? <laughs> Although I do want to say that again, they went with the bronze singing, which is again, I think, yes. an in joke. Because so as we've said, the actor playing Braun used to be a professional singer. And I love him. He's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Classic yes, for him. He's yes. pretty good. He's pretty good. Pretty well, good. and that song was so offensive, too. It was perfect and delightful. What was song was he singing? Oh, the, 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 the Dornishman's Wife. I've tasted Dornishman's Wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. So that's about all that happened in Dorn, though. We yeah. got those two short scenes. We got uh, Jamie going, come with me. And the teenage daughter going, no. I love him. Oh, you don't know me at all. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> Again, good, not unfamiliar. <laughs> yeah, but I do think, I mean, both of the Lannister kids this time around just like threw tantrums. Yes. That was the extent oh, of their time on so screen. that's a good moment for us to go to the Tom and Tantrum, which is literally how I wrote it down in my notes. Tom <laughs> yeah, and Tantrum. Like, I have mm-hmm. argued with you guys before uh, when you have suggested that there was an overarching theme to an episode with my argument that they're not really episodes. They're just, you know, checking in on various storylines as they progress. I actually think Are you going to change your mind? Are you well, about to say that you were wrong? I'm going, no. I'm going <laughs> He's to. Evolved. Uh, no. I can snake around no. that. <laughs> you were you were wrong before, but I am correct in saying that this episode had a theme. Wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get me. Uh, the, the episode, I mean, th- there is a long standing obsession that George R. R. Martin has 
about where power comes from. Why do you listen to me if you do? If I tell you, you don't. But why would somebody listen to me and do what I say? You know, if, because you have all these people who are ostensibly in positions of power and are powerless. A father over his daughter, although she doesn't know it's his father. A king is utterly powerless. And as we find out, a queen at the end of the episode is utterly Ooh. powerless. A couple of queens. A couple uh, of queens, you know, yeah. uh, b- I love seeing Diana Rigg. I always love seeing Diana Rigg as, 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 uh, as Lady Elena. She's powerless. She can't get anybody to listen. I mean, it's amazing to think about the fact that all these people think they should have power, but what do you do when no one listens to you, when they simply ignore you, when they simply drag you to the cell, despite you're the queen? And it's a fascinating question, and it comes up a lot in this episode. Yeah, we hear that a lot, that I am the such and such. I you am can't the king, do this queen. To me. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes, and making can. very blatant threats. I mean, Lady Olena with the High Sparrow is such a great back and forth because you see these two different types of power playing out. She says, well, I'll make sure everybody knows why they're hungry when there's no more wheat in the capital. And he goes, go ahead. Or what actually <laughs> you've never tilled a field. His, yeah. argue, his 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 last line, which was a great exit line. One of the great nice things about drama, written drama as opposed to life, is you get exit lines. <laughs> yep. I've tried this in life. I've tried to deliver a great exit line and turned and walked out. And what happens is is instead of a camera blackout and moving on to another scene, uh, the person you're arguing with chases you out the door and says, what do you mean? You're not going to deliver that exit line and walk out? Or Wait the elevator takes way too long to show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the exit line, which was a great one, was, you know, we are the many and you are the few. And we're going to figure that out, which is another question about power. Who, why follow kings in the first place? Yeah, I love that. A lifetime of wealth and power has left you blind in one eye. And when the many stop fearing the few... Yeah. And even ends on sort of an up note, like he's going to say something else, and then just walks away. Yeah. See, there Fill you in go. the blank, lady. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. And you know, and he's thinking to himself as he walks out, he thinks, and scene. <laughs> also, because I love these guys, so much fun to see Jonathan Price and Diana Rick. Oh, yeah. I love oh. that moment. You know, it's like, why aren't you kneeling? Why aren't you kneeling? He says, well, that's my knees. Well, that's my hips. Ah. <laughs> so good. So good. And I think we do need to talk, too, about Olena and Littlefinger and their yes. interaction. That was one of my favorite scenes Bef- with those two talking before, to each other. Before, one of the reasons I was almost late was uh, <laughs> I wanted to rewatch that scene because there's Technically, a l- you were late. <laughs> Technically, I got here just about when you told me to get here. And just about. You, just about, but you had lied. <laughs> And vengeance shall be mine. Okay, keep going. Our fates are joined. We murdered a king. Yes, bring us back to that. Good one. Good one, Bovita. But I was trying to figure out what the dynamic was. Although, did you notice that the scene began with uh, Baelish looking through that little hole in the wall that had been the device for one of the early on sex scenes? Yeah. One of the ones that they made fun of on Saturday Night Live with the 12-year-old showrunner. You know, one guy having sex and he's looking through a uh, thing in a wall and other people having sex. Yeah, he's looking through the same hole, which I thought was a nice little reference. So I was trying to figure out, Baelish says to Elena, I brought Queen Cersei some information, but I didn't give her some other information. And now I'm going to give you the same kind of gift, the gift that I brought to Cersei, which is a beautiful young man. Don't pretend to have any concern for my house, my grandchildren or me. I should have known you'd return to the capital as soon as things started to go wrong. I promise you. I promise you, Lord Baelish, that our fates are joined. Together we murdered a king. If my house should fall, I will have nothing to hide. And if I should meet with some accident here at your broken little flesh market, they'll never even find what's left of you. So, do you deny a part in all this? Cersei summoned me to King's Landing. 
dared not refuse her. And what did she want? Piece of information she knew that I had. Neither silence nor lies were an option. But I have other information of which she is unaware. And as you say, our interests are aligned. I have a gift for you. What kind of gift? The same kind I gave Cersei. A handsome young man. End of scene. Who's the beautiful young man? Is it, as we find out in the next scene, Lancel, who now betrays... So we had yes. talked a little bit about this between the weeks, and I think that it could it could mean Lancel, but when Lancel joined the Order or joined... Yeah, yeah became a sparrow. Became a sparrow, he had to confess all his sins. So since day one... Yeah. The High Sparrow has known all of this about Cersei and has just been waiting for the moment to use it. So Baelish could have helped that along in some way, but the the Sparrow already had that information. Right. So, Or maybe it's just that Baelish is bringing, as he says, information as opposed to manipulation. So maybe all he's about to do is to tell Lady Olenna what we then see in the next scene, which is that Cersei has been royally hung on her own to be euphemistic petard. Without her (laughs) fineries, what is she? Yes. Nothing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Littlefinger means that he brought Cersei, the guy who testified against Loras, right? Yeah. Well, does Don't he? you think that's what, and that was what I assumed that meant is when, you know, because he says he also gave Cersei a handsome young man. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and so I assumed that that meant that he's the one who found the guy who was able to say that he slept that's, with that's, It makes Marjorie's sense. It's brother. awfully subtle. You'd have to go back and look at the last episode and see the sequence of scenes. But certainly Cersei, I mean, Cersei, we all agree, set that whole thing up. Right. So Cersei providing the High Sparrow with that young man, that ponce to use Lady Elena's word. Yes. That's, a, that's a great word to show up in, in Westeros. Ponce. <laughs> I liked that. Oh, I was me delighted. too. Um, could, yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. Although, man, it's subtle. So presumably Baelish, as we all know, is playing every side against the other. Mm-hmm. But if that's what he meant, why would Lady Olena not be more upset Well, it, the that? scene cuts almost yeah, right true. after that. That's so true. you don't really get to see. That's true. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, and, and you know, what you say actually makes a lot of sense, Greta. Oh, it, thanks, it, Peter. You sound really surprised. I am. I'm a little stunned. <laughs> To quote, uh, to quote Dr. Johnson, is like seeing a dog walk on hind legs. English majors out there? English majors? Never mind. <sighs> ah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, that, that's actually a very good point because I, I didn't know what Lord Baelish meant. And I, that makes very good sense. Th- this is the information I brought Cersei. I gave him a young man that did her some good in her pursuits. Well, here's another young man I'm going to at least tell you about. So now we have Cersei in jail. Mm-hmm. We have... Uh, Lady Olenna feeling very powerless against the High Sparrow. Mm-hmm. We have Tommen just throwing a tantrum. Tommen so tantrum. We have in King's Landing next. Who's in the, charge? The Sparrows, I guess. Now yeah, the just Sparrows are in charge. In charge Baelish. until Baelish. Let's be honest. But ba- how does Baelish fight the Sparrows? Yeah, because right now the only people holding power who are doing what they want, as you said, the, the, the King is completely impotent because he's a teenage kid. He doesn't know what to do. The Queen is in jail. Marjorie, who's smart, is in jail. Uh, Elena is like has no idea what to do, so nobody is in charge. And we saw the scene, very important scene, as it turns out, early on, when Queen Cersei completely dismissed or dismissed her council 
or packed them with her loyalists who were idiots because they're loyal to Cersei. So there's nobody in charge. Yeah, and Uncle Kevin is back at um, Casterly Rock. Yeah. I mean, like, nobody's there. Uncle Kevin. Uncle Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I do think we should talk for a second about how amazing the scene was when Cersei smugly walks down the hall after seeing Marjorie. Yes. And then how... Watched she... into her demise. Oh, exactly. that was awesome. Just that whole and, setup. And, and I am your queen all over again, which is exactly what Marjorie was shouting. Let me go immediately. You will order her to let me go. I am the queen. I am the queen. We have lost your mind. Let me go. Yes, I know. And and Marjorie's great line to Cersei. Well, I actually wrote it down in my notes, which I don't have. But it was like, "You awful, manipulative bitch," which was you great. hateful bitch. You hateful bitch. It's so much fun where a character gets to say exactly what they think to another character, and that was like, "Yeah, somebody should say that to Cersei." <laughs> Leave. Yes, I'm afraid I must. My son needs me now more than ever. Get out, you hateful bitch! But my favorite Cersei moment, because I, I watched the scene again because I was trying to figure out all this stuff, is when she's with uh, Tommen and Tommen says to her, I love her. I love her, mother. <laughs> and, and the camera's right on Lena Headley's face. And she just twitches. Just a little twitch. And yeah. It's great. It's like, oh. She does a lot of work just in that, like, one eyebrow yes. <laughs> facial yeah, acting. Yeah, where it's like, it was Rrr. great. It was like, oh. Yeah. The creepy hug, man. I know she probably, I guess, loves her kids. But oh, I just, think she does. But just that hug was like, and now I absorb you into, like, it's just, <laughs> there's nothing sweet about a hug between her and anyone. Yeah, now she, you come back into my womb. <laughs> it was very terrifying. <laughs> Not too big. There was a good interview that Lena Headley gave. I'm hoping saying your name right. And she basically said that she's that Cersei, speaking of Cersei, is making all these terrible decisions, but she makes them for the right reason in that she thinks she's protecting her child. So you have to look at her and say, does she think she's protecting her child from Marjorie? Probably. She's unwise in this, but she probably thinks she is. Yeah. It's an odd way to go about <laughs> this because she should know if her son is impressionable enough to authority – that she can manipulate him as much as she can. Yeah. That he would also be manipulated by this religious fanaticism, right? right? He's young and impressionable and he doesn't have his grandfather there to sort of explain to him how power works. He actually believes things when you tell him yes. them. So when you tell him the gods want him to do something, he's very impressionable to religious right. thought in a way that she is not. She right. from the first moment with the High Sparrow is looking right. for a political alliance. Common doesn't understand that this is a political alliance. Yes. There's a great study, you guys probably heard of it, that said that um, that uh, people who are incompetent tend not to know they're incompetent. <laughs> yeah. Right? And God, it's the worst. I hate those people. <laughs> and Cersei is like that. She doesn't know that she's bad at wielding power because she thinks because she doesn't smart enough to know it. So she, her empowering of the High Sparrows, which she thought was a great move to get her power base, has turned out to be a terrible mistake, which a smarter person could have told her. They're not going to be loyal to you. They're religious fanatics. Speaking of religious fanaticism, now we get to see Jonathan Price as the High Sparrow go full on, you know, High Baptist. Yeah. You know, buggery. Have you read The Seven-Pointed yeah, Star? Buggery. I'll buggery. give you my copy if you want. Yes. I've read The Seven-Pointed Star. I just love Diana Riggs. <laughs> so, so tell me this. We got an email from someone who said she actually kind of felt bad for Cersei. Did you guys... 
I was just gleeful at that scene. Well, I, I know this because of reading the books and because of, frankly, seeing a production photo, so I know what's coming. Wow. If you enjoy feeling bad for Cersei, you are going to have a wonderful time sometime in the last three episodes. Oh, good. So, because she's she's in for it. And I don't know. I mean, you know, somebody, I was reading, I read a lot of the other recaps. <laughs> I feel like you don't have to explain yourself, Peter. <laughs> I know. And, and somebody pointed out that this is a show which really likes to build up your antipathy towards characters mm. and then punish them so badly that mm. you almost feel terrible for your antipathy towards them. For example, you hated Joffrey. Joffrey was the worst, except for you two. And, <laughs> and, and yet when he buys it, it's like the, he's choking to death. He, I mean, and it was so graphic as he's turning purple. Yeah. And it was pretty awful. So, I mean, by the time he was finished dying, you probably were stopped – going, yay, 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 ha, 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 ha. Similarly, I think with Cersei, she's about to be humiliated in a way that may make your antipathy towards her, and we all should feel, sort of, feel a little sad in and of itself. We saw that play out in Marine in the fighting pits, where it's supposed to be fun to watch people fight, but then when you actually start seeing them die and bleed all over each other, it's a little less sport-like. That was fun. You liked it. I'm so a guy. That was, I do enjoy, got... okay, so the best move. Yeah. Best move of that whole sequence where uh, Jorah comes out and is like, well, if she's only going to stay for one fight, I better be in the first yeah. round. And he runs out oh there and he pulls the metal helmet off one guy and then uses the guy's own helmet to knock him out. Yeah. Good move. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that and it's Chicago based. So you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. You're listening to Nerdette Recap's Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. I'm Trisha Bobita here with Greta Johnson and Peter Sagal. Are we going to move to Marine now? Because I want to, like, follow yes. you guys. We're moving yes. to Marine. I, uh, yeah, tag along, Peter. Come thank on. Thank you. Okay, guys. Guys, wait for me. <laughs> Hurry up. I, I, uh, we've talked about fight choreography. Fight choreography is good when it represents character. It's not so good when it's just guys pretending to hit each other with swords. This was a good fight. Yes, it was. Because Jorah had a motivation. Other than killing the guys, he needed to get out there and win to get himself in front of the queen. And it was fun to watch him sort of maneuver his way as a, as a seasoned knight of Westeros against these amateurs. And he never was in danger, and he just dispatched them all. Although I really like Tyrion suddenly beating the guy next to him so yes. he could get bought. <laughs> yes. It's like, you need me here. I'm a fighter. Bam, 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 bam. See? <laughs> You're right. right. You're all right. right. Yeah, they're bring him along. Like, You're right. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Bring him along. totally also, perfect. Also, another great fight, and I'm going to zip back across to, um, to the wall where Sam attempts to defend Gilly. Yes. From right. the, we are reminded, by the way, as uh, King Stannis said, they're all rapists here. Yes, they're not pleasant people. Yeah. And uh, two of these unpleasant people go after Gilly, and Sam attempts to heroically save her, and he can't do it because he sucks. Yeah. He's a terrible fighter and always was, although he used to be a coward, and he no longer is. Yeah. And the moment where he stands up and says, you know, after getting the, the, the shit kicked out of him and says, I've killed a thin, 
when and a white he, walker. When did he kill a Thin, by the way? Was that during the battle? Of, during uh, the battle. Yeah. I've done this and I've done this and I, you, I'll take my chance. And she's like, you guys, you're great, Sam. And you're about to get killed, but you're great. <laughs> and hopefully it's the first of moments to come as we finish out this, uh, this season in which people who have been beaten and kicked and pushed around will stand up and do something in a kind of heroic and fun way. So also in this email, this person said that they really wanted Ghost to rip those Night Watchers to shreds. And I guess there wasn't enough budget for that level of CGI, which Probably. I thought was really funny. Is Ghost CGI when he shows up? Is he I like assume a, is he, a CGI he is. Maybe wolf? he's a big dog wolf thing in real life. I have no idea, actually. Yeah, I think I. there's real The dragons dogs. aren't real. Yes. What? Some of the dragons are real. <laughs> dragons, Some of the, the dragons, dragons are real. Yeah. The dragons are CGI. <laughs> no, but I think I there do, are wolf dogs on set. Right. I think there's CGI added to them, but I think, depending on what they have to do, but yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Another thing, though, back to Marine. Yes, I'm sorry. We're skipping back to Marine. It's okay, <laughs> but the... <laughs> the um the great games. I was really disappointed. I thought there was going to be like a big crowd. And this person also mentioned that they were really disappointed with the set of the fighting pits. Like I was really expecting, expecting gladiator, like, I, gladiator I, I, style. I, I, this is entirely based again on seeing a pre-production photo. There might be a bigger fight coming. This was like the preliminary, preliminary fight rounds. and the queen shouldn't have been there, but maybe she was just there to sort of see what it was all about. Yeah, I, I would not give up your hope of seeing a big arena so fight. So those were not the great games. No, the, 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 in the plot, they say, you know, these are preliminary it's, rounds. Okay, okay, okay. And, Tryouts. And, and Which is why the queen isn't even supposed to be there. His okay. doll rock or whatever his name is says, yes. well, you know, the tradition, he says, for us to come around and look at the early uh. fights. By the way, I never say this. So this is a this is a get departure ready, everybody. For me. What a great dress that Danny had. Was that not a lovely outfit? Although that I think if you're going to be that number? close to a giant, yeah, yeah blood white bag. is the poor color to it's wear a to a blood choice. to a yeah. blood bath. Yeah, you can't wear white. You're going to a blood bath. I mean, <laughs> you see, that's why your lady is in it. Freaking practical. Well, yeah, man. She just had a good Absolutely. look to her. I thought. And you know, I think we should point out, as the show's title is "The Gift," Tyrion is maybe the most obvious of the gifts, considering yes. he literally says, "I'm the gift. It's me. I'm, I'm the me. gift. It's me." Yeah. Though there are several others as well, including one up north. Should we go? No, is it time? Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Trisha yesterday said that's one of her favorite parts of the show is when you make <laughs> yep. those sound effects. Yep. Top happy three to, things. Happy to oblige. <laughs> And we have early on one of the first scenes, Sam giving Jon Snow a gift. Some dragon glass dragon in glass case he comes up against some White Walkers. So I have a feeling it. that will come in That's handy. That's going to happen. But the, it, you know, it was really interesting when uh, Sir Alistair Thorne says, you look after the death of um, old... Aegon. Aegon. Says... Uh, Aemon. Aemon, sorry. Aemon, not Aegon. Aegon is the, the right. child. He, Egg. You know, his brother. So Egg. yeah, can we stick in a little Arrested Development quote there? Because we're talking about sure, Egg. Sure, Oh, it's so cute. She sometimes takes a little pack of mayonnaise and she'll squirt it in her mouth and then she'll take an egg and kind of... <laughs> she calls it a egg. <laughs> Are you okay? I don't feel so good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, when Alistair Thorne says you're out of, we're running out of friends, and it's yeah. true. Without John to protect him and Amon to work for and to be in, under his shield, everybody hates Sam. Yeah. And then we find out what happens. Yeah. So is Sam Sam's in trouble? Is he going to head south and become a maester? In the books, he does. Right. But also in the books, a lot of things have happened at the wall that happen on that journey, including a sex scene that I did not want to see. <laughs> And thank you, <laughs> thank you, you would feel about thank that. you, David uh, uh, Benioff and, and your fellow showrunner for not taking their clothes off. That would have been just too much. Oh, 
Oh my! Oh god! <laughs> oh, oh my! Oh, we watched it with closed captions, and the "Oh my!" written on the screen was How many especially whys? hilarious. How many whys? Like, Just one. Why? Oh no, my! It was a pretty short little. Oh my. Yeah, and kids, I just want to say at home, if you're watching this for tips. No, it's not how it's done. Okay, you don't. I mean, that could have been considered another gift, really, right? Oh yes. <laughs> also, he's got at least three broken ribs, and I mean, really, yeah. that's why he was saying, "Oh my." Yes. <laughs> Winterfell. Oh, oh we're back. Man, this is so intense. That yes. lady dying, her friend, her yes. northern friend. Oh, that yeah, was tough. that was tough. There was a moment I actually had to go back and rewatch this. Did you guys think? Because I thought this initially, but then I changed my mind. That after Sansa says to Theon, please put a candle in the Broken Tower, that he then goes to the Broken Tower, walks in, and oh my gosh, it's Reek. Oh no. What I think he does instead, and I have to watch it again, is that he never goes to the Broken Tower. That there's, there's a shot of him walking across the courtyard. He looks up at the Broken Tower. There's a shot from the Broken Tower, a next shot, looking down at him walking crosswise across the shot, i.e. not toward right. the shot tower. The next thing you know, he's walking into a room with Reek. So I think the implication is instead of doing what she asked, he went right to Reek and betrayed her. That he got terrified two-thirds of the way there and yeah. turned around. Yeah. <sighs> but that so scene intense. with Sansa was so... Heartbreaking. When Reek brings her her meal and she's lying and she's there sobbing covered and covered in bruises and but still as soon as she sees you know we hear her sort of quietly crying to herself but as soon as there's an opportunity to try to take an action that will change her situation she is up and in full uh, you know convincing Theon mode to you know she's calling him by name really aggressively and trying to make him remember who he is and help him you know she needs she says I still have friends. We well, still have friends. This, this, is going, this is relevant to the entire discussion that broke out last week that I guess we're going to get to specifically in a moment about what that final scene in last week's episode was about. Was it about motivating Theon or was it about motivating Sansa, neither or both? And the answer is, at least for the moment, both. That Sansa obviously has been driven to trying to take an action. And she says, by the way, that she's been, she is locked in that room all day. Yeah. She has nothing she can do. And the only person who's coming to serve her, we can assume, is Reek. So she has no other way out. So she has chosen to take an action. And she has to use Theon as her, as her method of action because she has no other choices. So at least to the begin with, we are seeing both of them hopefully motivated to act. Theon, however, Reek can't pull it off because he's scared. So where does that leave Sansa for the next episode? This is a larger thing I've been thinking about. You guys tell me if I'm wrong. It we seems, will. Oh, I'm sure you will. It <laughs> seems as if every season so far has been very overtly working up toward a climax, mm-hmm. right? Like you know something big is coming, be it the invasion of Stannis that leads to the Battle of Blackwater Bay or big surprise, but we were working up to it the whole time, the Red Wedding or the Trial of Tyrion or all these other things or the right. Wedding, the Purple Wedding, et cetera, et cetera. What are we building up towards here? What is – can you guys see the climax coming? What is going to be the big climax of this episode? Is it going to be the battle of Winterfell between Stannis's forces and Ramsay and some disposition of Ramsay at that time? Is it going to be some resolution of what's happening at the Red Keep in King's Landing or something happening big time over in, in Essos? It's unclear. It's, it's all sort unclear. of meandering at this We've point. We've only got a few episodes left. Three. So I, I think Stannis is going to make it to Winterfell. I yeah. think we're going to have that big battle scene because I think every season we get at least one giant, you know, lots of swords, lots of horses yeah. in the snow kind of fight. And so we're going to have that. But I also think that whatever happens in 
Marine now is going to probably move a little more quickly because we've been waiting a long time for Tyrion to show up. And now yeah. Tyrion's going to be able to give her a plan for crossing the sea, right? And and so that maybe I don't think they're going to do that, but I think they're going to be preparing for that battle as the other battles happening. Right. But maybe those are the two big things that are about to I happen. I think the Winterfell battle will happen in the ninth episode. Yeah. And the 10th episode will be Danny getting ready to do something to travel. Yeah. But do you agree with me that this season, as opposed to the others, has seemed a little slack in that regard? Yes. yes. We, we, there is no sense of building tension of a confrontation that's coming of a resolution that you're going to need because you don't know the answer yet. It's just been a lot of episodes, a lot of incident. It's gone this way. It's gone that way. Cersei's doing this. Now Cersei's caught. Winterfell, Sansa going over here. Things bad. Things good. Things bad again. Yeah, I mean, I think Winterfell, there's a lot of tension right now in Winterfell. Yeah, yeah. certainly that is the most tense place. What is going to happen to Sansa? And Ramsay in that follow-up scene where he and Sansa are outside and she has to look at the old woman friend of hers having been killed and flayed and, you know, yes. this terrible thing. He also, though, does the classic Bond villain thing of explaining way too much information mm. to someone who he thinks can't escape. Yes. Who's about to. Monologuing is she... called in Incredibles. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know that John was just a hop skip away yeah. at the wall as mm. the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch now. She didn't know, you know, there were things that she didn't know that she now knows because he was doing the sort of maniacal laugh, you know, <laughs> fingers and... In, in front of him kind of thing and telling, you know, all this stuff being such a smug guy. Now she knows that her brother is just around the way. So I think that that moment where it was just, you know, he drops that line and she kind of, oh, you didn't know. And mm-hmm. he's proud of himself for knowing something. Yeah. He should be terrified that she now knows that. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't think of her as a threat at all. Exactly. Ramsey doesn't yeah. think of anybody as a threat, which is hopefully his weakness. Yeah. I think we all will enjoy. I mean, I said oh, something yes. about earlier about, you know, when, when people get it, you're like, oh, wow, I shouldn't have hated that person so much. That's so yeah, awful. I don't think I've felt I that. I think Ramsey is going to be the great exception. We, we, we are looking forward to his demise and may it come soon. All right. Still to come on Nerd at Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel, we talk about... Sexual... I'm sorry. Hello. Welcome to all things Game of Thrones considered. Today, sexual violence. We're thinking of doing this like in an NPR way. That and more when Nerdette Recaps returns. You're listening to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel. I'm Greta Johnson here with Trisha Bobita and Peter Segel. So we know the episode, episode six last week, ended with this really horrible scene of sexual violence between Sansa Stark, who is now, I guess, technically Sansa Bolton. Yes, she is. (laughs) So horrible. But yeah, we got a lot of voicemails from you listeners, and there was a lot on the internet as well. So we felt like we needed to address more what took place. First question. Were you guys, because we talked about it. Yeah. uh, And we all agreed that it was extremely disturbing which it was and meant to be. But we didn't, I think, between the three of us say, this is outrageous. They can't do this, even though some of us have felt that way before about certain other things. We all accepted it as this is just more pretty harsh storytelling that this show excels in. Were you guys then surprised by some of the reactions that everybody saw on the Internet to that scene? I think in part it was because the show, it's an even more 
powerful cultural force now than it was when some of these other things happened in the past of the yeah. show. So I think the scene between Danny and Khal Drogo is more Way back in problematic. Season one. Season yeah. one yeah. I mean, you she's think 14 about years old. The she's sold the to her brother. Yeah. She's sold by her brother and then she's raped repeatedly. And then it turns into the thing that's really offensive about that storyline is then it just pivots without like any acknowledgement of the fact that this was brutal rape, it pivots into this love story between right. the two yeah. of them. And again, she's 14. This is a whatever, 30 something giant man who's been raping her. And now suddenly it's the moon and stars and they're all in love. Yeah. And that to me in season one set the bar for egregious yes, sexual egregious violence sexual on violence. screen. Yeah. And this was in comparison, I thought, part of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Well, and especially even like not only within the context of sexual violence in the show, but also the context of Ramsey Bolton and like of all of the horrible things that we know that yes. this man is capable of. Yes. Flaying, murder, incredible levels of extensive torture. And in one famous scene, he hunts down and kills like a dog, a young woman with dogs. Right. So he is not a nice person. And it, yet it seems like none of those actions as depicted on screen brought the same kind of reaction as this did. And a couple of interesting things about it. First, people were very upset at the Game of Thrones makers, the showrunners, for showing something they didn't show. It was off camera, right? Which is interesting. Like, they, they did not point the camera. I don't even want to describe what they'd be pointing the camera. All they did was they pointed it at Theon. That caused some controversy as well and played some really effective screams from the actors, which kudos to them. If there was an Oscar for really convincing screaming, you'd give it to Sansa. And right, Alfie I mean, Allen does so much work with his face there. And we talked about this that we felt, Greta, you and I were sort of annoyed by the fact that, oh, it's Poor about Theon. Theon. Poor yeah. Theon has to watch. But then when I thought more about this after we talked a little bit more and I saw the reaction online, I you think that there I was, was right. Well, I think that they were, if they were going to do that scene, I think there's still a question of whether they had to show it. You realized I was right. <laughs> Let her get there on her own, here's, Peter. Here's how I'm you were right. to save time. Here's how you were right. <laughs> yes. Is that if they had kept the camera on Sansa, yeah. there is way too much of a likelihood that as brutal as what was going on was, it would have seemed, for lack of a better word, it would have seemed like porn. No matter how upset her face was, yeah. to see her or to see Ramsay, to see the two people in this sexual yeah. act, this brutal sexual act would have seemed like porn. Yeah, and particularly in a have, show that has had gratuitous yes, sexual display, yes. you know, like the one we talked about in this last episode with, am I the most beautiful woman here in my breasts? <laughs> I mean, in a show like that, it, w- yeah. it would have seemed, I mean, among the many reasons you wouldn't want to show that is exactly that, as if we're trying to show, we speaking for the showrunners, a rape as a titillating sexual act, and they didn't want to go anywhere near that. Yeah. I agree with you. It's, yeah, any, any, any pleasure anyone would have gotten in a really perverse way from watching Sansa suffer they have to stare at Alfie Allen's broken face instead. Right. Yeah. And so I think if of the two options of Sansa's face in that moment or Theon's, Theon's was the better choice. But I still am not convinced that the storyline, since we know how brutal Ramsay is, I'm not sure we needed to see it and hear it in that way. I think that – let me put it this way. I think that the alternative is to like, you know, watch them go into their wedding chamber, their bridal chamber. The door closes – End of episode. Next time we see Sansa, oh. she's got bruises in her arms and stuff. And you'd be like, that's bad. I mean, but I almost... we wouldn't know how bad it is. I, I almost would have pictured that it would have been worse yeah. if I hadn't... 
I was looking at some of the reactions online. Claire McCaskill, Senator Claire McCaskill yeah. tweeted, I'm done with Game of Thrones. That was awful. A website, which is a feminist geekery website, would you think that's accurate, called the Mary Sue. Yeah, I love the Mary Sue. Mary Sue is great. They said, we're not going to write about Game of Thrones anymore. We're just done with it because this was a gratuitous – what they said, and this was interesting, and I should have their language in front of me. They said that rape is never a necessary plot device. It's never anything but gratuitous, which struck me as weird because it was the end of an episode. You don't know what actions that rape is going to you know, bring about. I mean, maybe it was very important. Maybe it's the final thing that makes Sansa stand up for herself. Maybe it changes Theon's mind. We don't know yet. Or we didn't anyway. We've seen a little bit of that now. You know, and this is my best way of understanding it. And you guys can can obviously chime in with yours. But I read the entirety of the Harry Potter series to my kids. And when I got to, spoiler, the death of Dumbledore in book six, I read it to my kids. And my then seven-year-old daughter said, I'm done. I don't want to hear anymore. I'm done. She was heartbroken. And she didn't want to hear the next chapters as we read them aloud. And we caught up eventually, and that was fine. But that's what was happening. Her emotional reaction was so overwhelming, and she's seven. All she could articulate was, I'm done. This hurts too much. In the same way that hitting your head against the wall hurts, you want to stop. This hurt me too much. And I think that a lot of people had the same deep emotional reaction. That was so painful to see and hear, rather, that happen to a character we've grown to, at least, if not love, know and feel as a human being that yeah. I can't handle it. And because we're grown-ups and not seven-year-old kids, we have to come up with an intellectual reason. Well, the reason that I am choosing not to watch this anymore is not because of the deep, deep hurt I feel in my heart, but because of these issues of political, artistic rules, regulations, principles, rape culture, blah, blah, blah. Those are real things. But what was really going on here was a very deep and unpleasant emotional reaction. That is my theory. Trisha, you and I talked about this a little more and just that whole idea of sexual violence as a plot device. And I think your take on it was actually pretty good. Yeah, for me, portraying these things in fiction is important because it makes the people who are experiencing them in real life feel less alone. Yeah. And I think that it's completely, again, I love the Mary Sue. I think as a blogging platform and you know a fun site if they choose not to do especially promotional things for game of thrones anymore that's fine there's a great many television shows that for one reason or another i won't watch anymore you won't hear us talk about them on nerdette because i think they're dumb in some way or damaging to the culture in some (laughs) way and we're not going to talk about them well one thing we should say is everybody has nobody's forced to watch game of thrones you're not forced to like it you don't have to like it you're not wrong if you don't want to watch it anymore that's totally fine and I also want, I just want to also want to say that if you're defending, as I am, the right of the, the creators of the show to depict this, you're not defending rape. You're no. not saying rape is an entertaining thing and I like watching it for fun. I think that it can be if treated well in the storyline and we'll see how it plays out with Sansa if it's a plot device that results in a – victory for Sansa in some way over her abuser, that that can be cathartic for victims right. of sexual abuse. And not everyone wants that narrative in their life. And that's why we did a trigger warning at the top of the right. show. Some people just don't want to encounter it. They yeah. don't want to talk about it. And if that's their way of dealing with being uh, someone who's experienced this, then that is absolutely their right. And they should know that they shouldn't watch Game of Thrones right. because since season one, that's been a part of the yeah. world of this show. Yeah. But it is absolutely important for fiction, especially fiction that is going to permeate pop culture and create a conversation to talk about things like this. It made me Google the fact that marital rape has only been illegal in the United States since 1986. So this is not just Sansa Stark's wedding night. This was potentially any wedding night in America and and it would be legal 
until 1986. And yeah. us having that conversation is worth that show doing that if the character gets sort of their journey rewarded in some way if there's some catharsis for Sansa then it's worthwhile and for the rest of us who are watching it there's a catharsis of watching her hopefully take down Ramsay so. there's another thing going on and you guys will tell me if if I'm off base here I know you will um, <laughs> I also think part of that emotional reaction was we've seen a lot of people get killed it's all fake the rape was fake nobody was actually raped Right. Right. The, Sophie the, Turner said that she's she fine. was excited about getting to do this with her character. Right. She, the, the, everybody, so, so it's all fake. Right. And we see fake murders and they're fine. We're used to them. We've seen them all our lives growing up. But we also don't have a real emotional reaction to murders because none of us have killed anybody or mm. been struck with swords. Right. Most of us have had sex and it's just too easy to imagine what was happening to Sansa. Even from a male perspective, okay? Even we men found it really distressing to imagine that. That's too vivid. And I think that had a lot to do with it. If, if we show somebody being, as we did in this episode, flayed to death, we're like, well, that's bad. But none of us have been flayed or seen a flaying or have any. It's just this right. yeah. crazy. And that was like a pretty minor character, yeah. too. But if you take a character we've known for five years, we've been seeing go through all these things who we've rooted for, who we've been angry at, who we've been involved with emotionally, and you do this thing to her that we can all imagine in a very distressing, visceral way, it's going to put us all off our breakfast. And I think that has a lot to do with the reaction again, which I think, my theory, a primarily emotional reaction that has been, because we live in the world we live in, been draped in intellectual and sociopolitical argument. And it's a sign of how successful the show is mm -hmm. that it generates this kind of response oh, yeah. when it does something. And I think that makes it even more important that a show that's this popular treat these issues carefully but deal with them. Because if in the world of the show this is something that would logically happen. Oh, and it would. There would be marital rape of Sansa. There would be marital rape of a lot of the characters in this show. Right. Cersei, I mean, and, and Robert Baratheon. Daenerys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Daenerys. Yeah. We see all kinds of sexual violence on this show. And I think that if it's handled well on the show – then it creates a conversation on Twitter, elsewhere, all you know, over the blogosphere, where we're talking suddenly about marital rape. We're yeah. talking about sexual violence in a way that is easier to talk about than when it's about a real person. That's the right. other giant thing about this, yes. is that yeah. it's incredibly difficult for people to talk about their own experiences, the experiences of their loved ones when it comes to sexual violence. Right. But you can talk about Sansa Stark's rape and sort of get some of those emotions out talking about it that you might not be willing to talk to your friends about right. what happened to you, you, know, you or your sister or you know, your brother. And so I think that those things are important in fiction and we need them to right. be a part of the conversation. Right. So what you guys are saying is we're going to keep recapping the show. Yes, we're we not going to give up and walk away. We've got three more episodes. Right. And, and we're going to be really happy when Ramsey dies. Really happy. And because <laughs> we're going to be happy when Ramsey dies, there's a good chance he won't because that's uh, how they do. Now who's the worst? <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be Stannis again soon if he decides to. The one oh, thing we yeah. didn't talk about—oh God, yeah—sacrifice his daughter. We knew this was coming. Yeah. We were talking about how we were going to get set. We were being set up. We were being set up by Stannis being the good dad all of a sudden and the good thing in other ways. And my prediction was that Stannis was going to do something terrible. Well, now he is being asked to do something terrible. Yeah. And keep in mind, it's all a set up and payoff. Set up. Everything's going wrong. Here comes here comes the Sea Lord. Here comes Davos. Oh, everything. The horses are dying and the people are fleeing and we're dying. We don't even have any food. Don't even, ah, it's terrible. It's terrible. We've got to keep marching. Here comes Melisandre. Well, here's your solution. This will solve your problems. Ayo. All you have to do is 
you know, off your daughter. Another and gift. Another gift. <sighs> another, and will he do it? But sometimes sacrifices must be made to ensure victory. I have shown you the power of King's blood. The usurper Rob Stark. The usurper Joffrey Baratheon. We don't have Robert's bastard here. No. We have someone better. And your blood runs through her veins. Have you lost your mind? Do you doubt me? Still? After all that you've seen? There must be another way. Leeches or something. There is only one way. You must become king before the long night begins. Only you can lead the living against the dead. All your life has led us to this moment. To this decision. She's my daughter. Get out. He's know. totally going to do it because he's the worst, you guys. He's absolutely going to do it. You're back well. to that. Yeah, man. I never left it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I on, we, we are so far afield from the books, by the way. I have no idea what he's going to do. And well, it's we want to hear. terrifying. We want to hear what listeners think about that. So you can call and leave a message that we can talk about on the show. Tell us how you think this is all coming to an end. Tell us what you think Stannis will do. What's going to happen to Cersei. Yeah, what's the climax going to be? That's why I want to know. <laughs> 312-948-4687. You can find us online at wbez.org slash nerdatrecaps. We're at Nerdat Podcast on Twitter, and he is at Peter Segel. The show is produced by us with help from our WBEZ cohort, especially Joe Dassault, Colleen Pellissier, and Brad Helm. Our theme music was composed by Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. Find links to everything that we do, including our weekly email newsletter at nerdatpodcast.com. You can listen to us wherever you are, because you already are, but we'd appreciate it if you subscribed on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. We also share links to things that we like on Facebook, which you can see if you like us there. And again, we're on Twitter at Nerd Podcast and would very much like to discuss all of the Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, we do want to talk about this Game of Thrones Coldplay musical. Did you see this? That was really fun. <laughs> because Kit I liked singing Wildling was very fun. I actually thought the Red Wedding number was the funniest part. I thought that was whoever wrote that. And I'm assuming Chris Martin did. <laughs> Lots of stabbing and a little beheading. <laughs> loves musicals, you which really was so much Chris fun. Chris Martin wrote that? I have no idea. But it was great fun. <laughs> Certainly was he was conv- he, he, he did some fine comic acting. I apparently accidentally found the 12-minute version. <laughs> so that's what I watched. It was intense. It's, uh, they they, they so went good. for it. There was some commitment. They really did. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Wildly. <laughs> Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect nerds like you. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Throw some stars and write a review if you're feeling generous, like the excellent Piaf Princess did on iTunes, who said she started listening to the recaps and is now listening to the regular show, too, which is excellent. Oh, this is adorable. She says, hooray for Nerdette. Yay. Peter, thanks for uh, taking the time. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for coming in on time. Yeah, well... Thanks for lying to me, you nefarious. <laughs> I feel like screaming at you what uh, Marjorie says to Cersei. Really? That, oh, no. That doesn't seem We didn't put you in the dungeon. dungeon the that's man. true. We You're just put fine. you in Studio okay. 8 kind <laughs> of early in the morning. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> Still, you manipulative. Oh, too good. Too good. <laughs> if you're here for the wedding of Robbie Stark, keep the car running, there's no need to park. He's not going to make it through the night. Keep that wedding cake in the fridge. He didn't pay me back for using the bridge. I'm afraid this wedding won't be white. Everybody. Red wedding, red wedding, lots of stabbing, a bit of beheading. The reins of Castamira are here to stay. Red wedding.
wedding, dead wedding, head shredding, bloodshed wedding, there will be no wedding, bedding, hey! Don't mess around with Walter Frey. Bang, curtains, Tony, award. Great. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.